Michael, this is all very confusing. Zon Markets presented by Darwin Asset Management and Darwin Wealth Management, the podcast where we decrypt and demystify economic, financial, and other investing concepts in 20 minutes or less. I'm your host, Remy Bartolotta. Today, I have the usual suspects with me, Mike Contino. How are you, gentlemen? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well as well. Thank you. Before we get started, I meant to mention last week and I and I forgot, it, we've headed into the new year and I really want to get some more listener interaction this year. Every week I mention, hey, if you have any questions, reach out and you know, we don't get too much interaction. So I, I really you know, want to stress that, that we want to hear from our listeners. You know, we'd, we'd love to hear if you have any suggestions, if you have any questions, if you just want to join us on air for an episode, that'd be awesome too. So you know, please reach out to us, comments at onmarkets.com. Or you can email me directly at Remy, R-E-M-Y, at onmarkets.com. And if you haven't already, don't forget to hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So a couple of days ago, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and he was telling me that a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend apparently had invested in something a year or two ago, and all of a sudden is a a multi-multi-millionaire. And... uh, after I walked away from the conversation, I had been thinking about it and I, and I realized that everybody seems to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that hit it big in the market, right? And I'm wondering if that's really true because nobody <laughs> actually seems to know anybody directly that this has happened to, right? It, it seems like it's, it's this urban, urban myth, this urban legend that, that everybody knows somebody. So I thought it'd be a good thing to talk about today. So the question I have is, can the average American create generational wealth strictly by investing? So to kick it off, let's define what generational wealth means, because I think that's a pretty ambiguous term. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So what do you guys think generational wealth means to the average person? I think, it, you know, I, I guess when I think about generational wealth, I, I think it's, you know, it's not just the next generation, it's a couple generations down. And I guess to the average person, that's you know, could be a few million dollars. Maybe it's maybe it's fifteen or twenty million dollars. Maybe it's ten million dollars. That I think for the average person can can represent generational wealth. I don't know. What do you think, Tino? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all relative, right? I would say the generational wealth to me is never having to work again and not having my heirs to have to worry about money as well. I mean, obviously that's nebulous, but uh, I, I, to, to not have to ever think about money to me is generational wealth and, and not just myself, but my lineage as well. So let's put a, a hard number on this. And, and again, this is, this is for the average person, right? I mean, like you said, Tino, it's pretty nebulous. It's heavily dependent on your lifestyle, your income, everything else. But, but for the average person, let's put a number on it. Tino, what's your number? Here's, here's an idea. Rather than an absolute number, because it does does depend, would it make more sense to say what percentage of your current income over time would be applied or, 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 or put into some type of investment to generate that wealth? Leave it to Tino to turn this into a calculation. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. unless we've got a bunch of robots listening, I yeah. think that's going to be a challenging... <laughs> well, no, no. It's just, look, you'd say, okay, 20% of my income on a monthly basis goes into an investment of some kind, whether it's real estate, the stock market, diversified portfolio, something like that. Well, that's how to get there, right? We, we, we need to define what it is we're trying to get to, correct? Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah, Potentially, let's, but so, again, so let's, let's, let's call it, you know, uh, I'll, I'll open the bidding at $10 million, high or low. 
<laughs> All right. Well, look, we could we could stick with the number, but then I think that the question is, can you make ten million dollars? Not not as this generational wealth, but admittedly, for most of the population, you're right. I, I would say the ten million dollars is going to make sure that people don't have to work again, and their kids are going to be pretty happy when they kick the bucket. Depends how many kids you have, too. That's true. So uh, let's let's add some additional info here. The, the average American income is sixty seven thousand dollars a year. So if that helps. So I think I think if you're talking about the average income being sixty seven grand, even inflated out over a couple of generations, I think ten million is probably to to that person represents generational wealth. That's a yeah. big number. I, yeah, I was yeah. going to say I think that's that's even a little bit high. Well, let's see if we can get there. I mean. Generational wealth of ten million. If you're making, call it. Let's make let's make it seventy grand a year with with some type of inflation adjustment in there. The 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 power of compounded returns. If you stay disciplined and you start early, I'm not saying ten million is possible, but you could. If you had a couple good years, you might not be too far away. As we're talking, I'm pulling up my calculator. I I think it's. <laughs> listen, do I do I think it's possible to to do that for the average person? I think it's probably possible. If you got to be really, really motivated and really, really disciplined, I think it's highly improbable. But you know, there are stories of people that that have done that. Again, Remy, you know, to your point, I don't know any. You know, it's like I always hear about kids that die of peanut allergies too. I don't know any of them either. But somebody, everybody, everybody seems to know somebody who knows somebody that that did. You know, I don't, I don't know how that works either. I actually went to high but, school with somebody who died from a peanut allergy. See, see, I know somebody that knows somebody. No, no, no. I know the person. I knew him personally. I'm surprised it has taken Mike 34 episodes <laughs> to bring up the peanut, peanut allergy thing. He has a, a an I got odd, a th- I got a thing with peanut yeah, allergies. Yeah, an odd thing against that peanut allergy for sure. I really, I really do. Well, I get grumpy like on the airplane when they don't let me. They don't let me eat my peanuts because some guy in the in the, in the back row has a peanut allergy. So, as 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 interesting as the the peanut conversation is, so I've been playing around with some numbers here. <laughs> so let's say if you had forty years, okay, so you start early. Let's say you start with twenty five thousand dollars and you just put it into stocks, okay, so just the stock market, S and P five hundred index fund. Long term average is about ten percent a year. And let's say you took thirty five thousand dollars a year. So what is that? Call it two grand, uh, three thousand dollars a month or so. So it's a lot of money get relative to, it's basically after taxes, almost all of your income. You, after 40 years, would have about $15 million. If we I mean, drop... That doesn't sound really possible. That's yeah, all of your income. Exactly. I mean, you've got to be able to live. That's my point. So drop that down to about 22000 a year and you're at $10 million. So Mike, you, I think you're flirting around this idea that, is it possible? The numbers mathematically are here. You, it is theoretically possible with a 10% annual return. The question is, do you want to? I mean, what kind of life are you leading to, to save every single dime? I mean, I'm pretty cheap. I think we're all pretty cheap when it comes down to it. But I mean, what are you going to do? Just sit in your house all, for 40 years? I'll tell you what, though. One thing that, that I've, I've come to realize you know, in the wealth management side of the business, right? I deal with lots of people, two, three, four, five clients a day sometimes. And it, it is really surprising to me the things that people are really motivated to do. I would say the average person, you know, if I, the average couple comes in and, and, I, and I ask them, you know, what's important to them? Is it important to leave a legacy? Most people will say, you know, I don't want to impair my lifestyle. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to scrimp and save just to leave my kids something. But if there's something left at the end, that's great. But occasionally you do get somebody who's super motivated 
to either leave a legacy to whether it's a kid, I, you know, we've got a client that's very, very motivated to, uh, to give money to his church. You know, you do get people that will sacrifice. And I guess for them, that is, you know, that's the satisfying thing to them is, is that they feel that they get some sense of fulfillment out of that and, and there's nothing wrong with it. So it's not me, you know, I want to live my life sort of the way I want to live my life. And if somebody else benefits from it, that's fine. I don't begrudge that, but I don't necessarily want to, to, to put myself in a situation where I'm not enjoying my life so that I can leave somebody else something. It's bad news for me. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you could add that too. I mean, look, it's not just do you want to do it, it's can you do it? I mean, the math is there. Yes, theoretically, you could do it. But, you know, I saw uh, JP Morgan does a, does a great quarterly piece called Guide to the Markets. And for the past couple of years, they've got a chart in it and they compare different asset class returns over the past 20 something years. And they have this little bar in there called quote unquote average investor. And that, that's who we're talking about right now. The average investor's 20 year annualized return is about 2.5% a year. Now, the reason for that is because of Mike, what you see every day in your job is because people panic and they, they can't control themselves when the market gets weird and they, or they try to time the market, right? So they, they, they don't allow themselves to achieve that 10% a year because they're playing games or they think they're trying to get cute with their portfolio. So their, their head gets in, it's, it gets in the way and they can't control themselves. So I think that there's another hurdle here that's, that's hard to quantify is that it's just your personality. It's, it's really, really hard to stay disciplined for 40 years doing the exact same thing. Well, listen, you got to have like a perfect storm, right? You got to have the guy that's motivated to do it you got a guy that get a guy that has at least some sort of knowledge of how to do it and you got to get a guy that that also has the discipline to do it you know it's it's hard to find that person a lot of things have to go right and and you got to have a little bit of luck right don't discount the luck piece of it either no doubt you start in the 70s you know that's 10 years in the stock market that didn't really do much at all for compounded returns that makes it almost an insurmountable hurdle to get over for your long term return Let's go back to the motivation to do it though. Remy, you're, you're a dad now. Mm -hmm. You haven't been a dad for that long, a couple of years. I mean, how, how motivated are you to, to create something for, for the next generation and maybe the generation after that? I'm pretty motivated actually. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, because I'm a pretty selfish guy. I mean, yeah, you know, I know. It does surprise me actually. I wouldn't have <laughs> yeah, guessed that. Totally. I, I usually, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking all about me, you know, but, um, but, but no, I am pretty motivated. And I think the, the biggest reason is because um, I would like my son to be able to choose a profession that is his first choice, is something that he wants to do or that he's a passion for, and he doesn't have to worry about the financial aspect of it, right? I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to the, to the idea that, you know, I want to leave my kid money so they don't have to work and all this other nonsense. No, uh, we had eight inches of snow this morning and I had my two-year-old son out shoveling the driveway with me. That's the first thing we did this morning. You had to go out and shovel the driveway. He's got to learn to work. Um, so, you know, by no means am I, am I advocating for uh, a situation where he can just sit back and, and do whatever he wants and never work. But I, I would like to put him in a position where he can choose his own path and not have to worry about the financial repercussions. It's a tough thing though, right? How do you create a situation where someone has the motivation to work when they don't have the need to work? I, you know, I, to, to me, it's, it's, again, it's, it's sort of teaching the value of hard work 
at a young age, I guess. I think some people are just born with it too. You know, I mean, some people are born with it. That's true. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I went to school with a lot of people that had a lot of money and there are a couple just animals that were unleashed into the world when they graduated and they are incredibly successful today and they had no business doing that. But then, you know, you have the deadbeats too, right? The great families, everything, they have a ton of money and they're just screwing around right now. I, I think some people are just born with it. Well, I've no, I've, I don't know that I know anybody. Like you said, Remy, you, you, you hear these stories. I, I do know someone that's gone the other way, right? I do know somebody that, that whose family had generational wealth and, and, and now has nothing. They sort of just pissed it all away over really just two. I usually say it takes three generations. I think it took them two generations. And they had real money. The Vanderbilt's almost went bankrupt. I mean, Vanderbilt built his legacy and his kids almost uh, spent all his money and put them under. I think it was the Vanderbilt's. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to lose money than to make money. <laughs> That's for sure. So I have another question. Do you think that the type of investing is a factor? Uh, meaning an, an active versus a passive investor? Because I also did look up the percentage of Americans who are active versus passive. And 71% of American investors are passive investors. So only 29 are active. Now, I don't know how this, That's hard I don't to, know how, yeah. how we're defining passive versus active, but. I was going to say that whether you are full, look, every, there's a lot of people out there that say they're passive investors, which is total garbage because they're passive until the point where they can't take the pain anymore. And then they become active overnight. So passive investing, look, I mean, I, I'll, I'm a big believer in passive investing for the right type of investor, but um, I've got a three, three point lit test that you got to make before you actually qualify as one. To be able to do that and be disciplined on it is very, very, very tough. Uh, and the funny thing is, there's, you know, talk about surveys and st studies. There was one that was done by the Capital Group, maybe like three or four years ago. Something like 55 or 70%, I forgot the exact number, so above 50% of people that were quote unquote passive investors had no idea they were exposed to the full downside of the market. So they own products they don't even understand. It sort of falls in the same category as, as the people that, uh, that make a kajillion dollars on, uh, on crypto because they've lost their password, right? It's the same kind of principle, right? They, they're, they're passive because they don't understand the risk. They're just kind of sitting there waiting it out. <laughs> or they can't. They've got two more chances and then uh, Bitcoin goes bye-bye. I just saw that guy is still digging through a dumpster looking for that, that password. I don't know. At some point, I'd probably throw in the towel on that one. But getting back to your question, Remy, I mean, it does matter. It does matter what you're invested in, right? You, you think about, let's use crypto, okay? Well, that's, a, that's an exception because it's kind of taken off. But you know, crypto, gold, there are certain types of quote-unquote investments that don't really generate any kind of actual value. Whereas things like stocks and some, to a certain degree, bonds, real estate, all right, when you own real estate, you're generating rental income. These are things that generate cash flow that you can then use to reinvest back into other investments. You know, your, your, your initial question was an interesting one. Do we know anybody that's actually ever done this before? And uh, my wife's grandfather came off a boat from Greece, spoke no English. He worked as a waiter in San Francisco for 40 years, 45 years, something like that. And every dime he made, he bought, he was, he bought real estate in the Bay Area and he started doing rental properties. And you know, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he made a lot of money now he never spent a dime, never went on a vacation his entire life. But you know, when he passed away, he had you know millions of dollars uh, saved up and all this real estate that he owned. For him, that was generational wealth. Yeah, would you call it generational wealth? Uh, not knowing my wife and kids, no. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, he could pay his bills. But no, you're right. It's it's again, it's all relative for 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 us, probably not. But you know, he he does have a sizable estate relative to where he came from. 
So back to the original question, my, my answer, if I'm going to answer it directly is, do I think it's possible? I think it's possible. I think it's highly, highly, highly unlikely, but I think it's possible. If it's highly unlikely, what is a better alternative? I'm the average person in America making $70,000 a year, and I want to get to $10 million. And we've already said it's highly unlikely doing that by investing in the market. Uh, look, th- th- this is a situation, I think, where your whatever financial advisor you're working with needs to slap you around a little bit. All right. That's, that's, that's their job is to set your realist expectations to be real. I mean, you know, it's like everything else in life, you know, when you're 14, 15 year old teenage boy, you know, you want to, you know, you want to date the prom queen. All right. But that's not always going to happen. And that's the same thing when it comes to work. Like, you know, it'd be great to be the next president of the United States, but realistically, most of us aren't going to get there. And you, you need to have someone sit down and set realistic expectations. Otherwise, going back to the psychology piece of this, you're, gonna, you're not going to achieve a goal one-tenth the size of that. Well, listen, if you're making 70 grand and your goal is to accumulate 10 million and you work really hard at it and you fall horribly short and accumulate 4 million, it's, it's not the world's worst thing, right? That's true. Yeah. That doesn't suck. No, not at all. Not a lot of downside to trying. Well, you know, Mike, you deal with this more than we do. I mean, I, I just talked to a, a guy the other day. He wants to double his money in five years because he just did over the last call year and a half. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But that's an a- average annual return of about 14.5%, which is 45% higher than the long-term average of the stock market on an annual basis. Like that is a very, very difficult thing to do. Listen, I get, I get that all the time, right? I, yeah, I had somebody in a couple of weeks ago that was like, you know, I want I want to double my money fast. I don't care what the risk is. I said, go to the casino, put it all on red. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's really, that's yeah, really, that is the fastest me. way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's the answer. You thought I was being a wise ass and I kind of was, but that, that is really what you're talking about when you make a statement like that. Well, if anybody out there needs to want, needs to get slapped around a little bit, Mike is your guy. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> one way to end. Podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management LLC and Darwin Advisors LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.